0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, April 20th, and this is your FT News Briefing. There's been a big drop in European natural gas usage. Ukrainian officials say they're running dangerously low on air defense missiles. And Germany looks like it'll be the next country to legalize recreational cannabis.
1: This is a major development in the decriminalization of cannabis, and um, it could very much be seen as an important precedent in Europe.
0: I'm Sonia Hudson, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. There's been fears of a gas shortage in Europe ever since Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine last year. But now a new study from the EU is easing some of those concerns. The report says natural gas consumption fell almost 18% over the past eight months. The large drop was partly thanks to a milder winter, but it also reflected energy conservation efforts and a switch to alternative fuel and power sources. The larger-than-expected fall in EU gas consumption has also driven a recent drop in prices and helped boost storage levels. Ukrainian officials are meeting in Germany tomorrow to plead with Western allies to send them air defense supplies. Kyiv is in the midst of planning a spring counteroffensive, but it's worried that a shortage of surface-to-air missiles would allow Russia to launch widespread bombing attacks. Here's the FT's European diplomatic correspondent, Henry Foy.
2: Air cover is really crucial for a counteroffensive because basically if you are exposed to Russian air attacks— Your mass tanks, your mass formations of troops are going to become uh, easy targets from the air. And so Ukraine needs this air defense capability to effectively protect its guys on the ground who are trying to make advances. Uh, The second big concern for the Ukrainians is that if the counteroffensive doesn't succeed and Russia hits back uh, uh, with uh, what we believe and what US intelligence uh, has been sharing is a, a massed amount of Russian air power, Ukraine needs the ability to defend itself from that. Otherwise, Russia could make major gains.
0: And it also has to do with Ukraine's dwindling supply of these missiles, right?
2: That's right. Uh, and, and that's really a product of two things. The first is what the Ukrainians would say is is not not fast enough supplies from Western allies. The second, Western allies counter, is that basically what Russia's been doing for most of the winter is launching these regular barrages of of missile and drone attacks targeting uh, Ukrainian civilian infrastructure, targeting towns and cities. Of course, Ukraine fires back at these, tries to down these missiles and drones, usually quite successfully using air defense uh, equipment. So what Russia has done through these uh, uh, quite regular bombing raids is it's used up a lot of Ukraine's surface-to-air missiles so that they don't have a huge amount left to take down fighter jets and bombers if and when Russia starts to use those.
0: What have Western officials said? Does it look like they're going to provide Ukraine with these missiles?
2: So we know that the U.S. at least is fully aware of this shortage. Uh, in the, in the uh, U.S. intelligence that was leaked uh, online in the last few months, it showed that basically the five major systems could all run out of munitions by mid-May. When, when the FT uh, revealed the U.S. intelligence showing that there was Russian air uh, power being massed on, on the border, the U.S. actually responded with quite a large package of air defense uh, uh, equipment and, and missiles. But the problem is about how much there are in Western stocks to give and how fast factories can produce these things. And Really, this debate, like other debates around ammunition and artillery in, in, in Europe at the moment, is, it's exposing just the, the lack of capability in, in Western uh, uh, defense industry to meet the demand of what is now uh, an incredibly grueling uh, and long war.
0: That's the FT's European diplomatic correspondent, Henry Foy. Germany could soon become the largest legal market in the world for cannabis. The government has put forward a plan that would allow people to cultivate, possess, and consume the drug for recreation. To find out more, I'm joined by our Berlin Bureau chief, Guy Chazan. Hey, Guy. Hi. So, Guy, this is a big move. Why are lawmakers doing this now?
1: Well, I mean, the, the, the health minister, Karl Lauterbach, said that there was a consensus that Germany's criminalization of drugs isn't really working. Offences are just going through the roof uh, and they're taking up more and more of police time and also clogging up the court system. They also say that um, you know, this is a good opportunity to kind of beat back the, the black market in drugs and actually remove one of the main sources of income for criminal groups, organized criminal groups. But the way they're doing it is extremely tentative compared to how they initially wanted to proceed. I mean, uh, according to the initial plan, they actually wanted to allow licensed sort of dispensaries where you could buy cannabis. And that has now been abandoned.
0: How does Germany's cannabis law or proposal, I guess we should say, how does it compare to the Netherlands, which you know has long been well known for legalization of the drug?
1: Well, it's not going to be like Holland in the sense that, um, you know, cannabis is not going to be available in cafes. Essentially, what they're going to create under this law are sort of cannabis clubs, which are non-profit associations of people who together will cultivate cannabis and then provide it to their members. But we're talking about quite small amounts. I mean... um, the law would decriminalize the possession of up to 25 grams of cannabis and also allow people to cultivate up to three cannabis plants at home without incurring any, uh, any um, sort of punishment. So uh, it's all fairly small scale. But w- what is interesting is that they've also created a kind of model, as a sort of program uh, which would allow a supply chain in cannabis to evolve and they're going to be monitoring these model programs uh, in a few regions to see uh, what effect they'll have on protection of youth and, and on the health system and on the black market. And um, if there's a positive evaluation of this, uh, then they'll allow them on a sort of broader scale. So that could actually pave the way for licensed uh, dispensaries and shops uh, selling cannabis products.
0: Guy, you wrote in your story that Germany's legalization could have consequences for broader EU drug policy. How so?
1: Well, Karl Lauterbach, the health minister, he said that he hoped this would basically influence European policy more broadly to become less punitive, less prohibitive, and um, possibly sort of push uh, other European countries to adopt. A more liberal approach to soft drugs. Whether other countries will follow suit is obviously too early to say, um, especially as the bill hasn't even been passed yet. Um, although the government parties have a majority in the Bundestag, so it, it is a dead cert that it will be passed. But yeah, I mean, this is a major development in the decriminalisation of cannabis, and um, it could very much be seen as a sort of as a as an important precedent in uh, in Europe.
0: Guy Chazan is the FT's Berlin Bureau Chief. Thanks, Guy. Thank you. You can read more on all these stories at ft.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Visit bankofamerica.com slash business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface.